It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. All right, back to the field. Bases loaded. The pitch for Yanni. Here it comes. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. Swings and hits it deep. Get up, baby. Get up. Get up. It's a grand slam. Oh, a grand slam home run for Yadier Molina. He touches them all. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amron. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network in Jupiter, Florida in our Radio Network studios. Ben Boyd is our executive producer. Sam Masterson helping us out down here. Mike Anderson is back in our network studios in Klaibs. We are just a couple of days away from games. We've seen a few days of full squad workouts. We've seen some live batting practice. We have our first modification to a program because of uh, physical concern. And, man, we, we are, uh, we're rocking and rolling. Time flies down here. A, a lot is happening, and we haven't played a game yet. And uh, you mentioned all the things that we've done. But i got to be honest with you, I'm ready to see somebody playing somebody else that doesn't have the same uniform on. Guys were ready to uh, throw live BP even if the hitters weren't going to swing. That's how <laughs> eager they were chomping at the bit. And, you know, for a lot of these guys, they've been here now for weeks or, or even months. And while there's certainly a benefit to that, at some point, you know, you get ready to actually get some competition against someone that isn't then walking back to the same clubhouse as you. Well, and, you know, here's the other thing. Um, spring training has changed because most guys are in – good shape i say most you have a couple that probably aren't in shape and i don't know if you can play yourself into shape anymore but i think once you get over that hump you just want to play and i think that the challenge to hit you with players now is how many at bats do i need how many outings do i need as far as innings and once you find that gauge to be ready to play at the start of the season i think that's what players are in search of and with this being a new camp with a new manager and coaches, they're trying to find that middle ground, too, to make sure that when we leave Jupiter and go in and leave Memphis, when we go into Milwaukee, then they're going to be ready to play because this is not going to be an easy season. You know, we, we've talked in, in, about the fact that how competitive this division is. You open up with a team who won the division last year. All right, we've got a lot coming up uh, on the program tonight. We will visit with the Cardinals, president of baseball operations, John Mozeliak, get his take on everything that's gone on around camp so far and what he looks forward to as games are just a few days away. We'll also hear from Adam Wainwright, Dexter Fowler, and John Brebia as they all sit down with us. Back by popular demand, Klaibs once again visits with the director of performance, Robert Butler from the Cardinals. Tim Kirkton joins us as well, and uh, we're going to hear from Mike Schilt here in just a moment. That's where I want to start, Klaibs, because the biggest news so far out of camp, it came yesterday. Schilt announced not only who would be throwing for him this weekend to open Grapefruit League action. It'll be Miles Michaelis, Jack Flaherty on Saturday, Michael Waka, Daniel Ponce de Leon Sunday, 
We'll see some other guys, but also the fact that Carlos Martinez will enter a modified program. The manager is saying that he won't throw for two weeks as they work to strengthen the area around Carlos's shoulder. Here's Schilt explaining the process behind the decision and what they hope for and expect moving forward. We are modifying Carlos Martinez's spring training. Um, and here's the thought, here's why. So Carlos had a really good offseason. Um, a lot of positive things happened when he first got here, the evaluation of where he is, um, regardless of the amount of work he did, wasn't quite to where we would have liked it to be, nor he would have liked it to have been. Um, so his strength and his ability to make sure he can move forward and looking at the longer view of our season, um, we're going we're gonna to back him off for two weeks. So he'll be no throw and he'll be in strength mode. Um, the great news is, because I know a question that may be coming is, well, has he had an MRI? Has he been tested? Of course he has. Um, and here's the thing that blows my mind, and, and I want to make sure that, at least from my perspective, I, I communicate it well. His baseline for his strength and his, um, what looks like from his shoulder stability from 2016 imaging to now has not changed, which is amazing to me. The structure of his shoulder is in amazingly good shape. We just have to make sure we have some of the little muscles that are continuing to be strengthened to allow the workload and the capacity so we don't have an interruption like we did last year. So we're getting ahead of it. We feel good about it. We'll evaluate it in two weeks, which I believe it will be March 5th um, for you people that pay attention to calendars, which I think we all do. And um, that's where we are with Carlos. It changes the timing of where we're at. Um, you know, everything's on the table, we said, from day one with Carlos, but it, does, it still allows him. Um, it may take him longer if, he, if we look at it from a starter perspective to be ready opening day. It would be more of a compromising for him to be ready opening day if he was a starter. I wouldn't say absolutely it, it wouldn't happen because he won't pitch on opening day if he in a starting role. So he'd have more time is the ultimate point to that. Um, so, yeah, we'll evaluate as we go, and we'll know more in two weeks of what it looks like. All right, so a couple of takeaways there, Klaibs. Obviously, Carlos won't throw for two weeks. Uh, Schultz said that there's nothing anyone could have done differently to prevent this, but says that the imaging, the MRIs were all positive, and they just need to work to strengthen the muscles kind of around the shoulder. That's going to be their goal until their reevaluation on March 5th. You know, here's the one catch to all of this. So he's not going to throw? But he still needs to maintain conditioning because it's going to be a strength program. Yeah, but he, he needs to still do his cardio. He needs to still develop his lower portion because of the fact that he's going to use his legs to pitch with. The one thing he cannot do is take this time off and not still continue to maintain a spring training regimen that's going to have him physically ready to go. Because if you're fatigued, then you start developing bad habits. You develop bad habits, then all of a sudden you hurt your shoulder or your elbow or whatever the case may be. So he's got to be focused here, and they're going to have to stay on top of him to make sure he doesn't take his eye off the ball. Here's Carlos yesterday talking about the shoulder, uh, the disappointment perhaps in a setback, but says that he's eager to get back going. I felt a little bit, you know, I felt a little bit of pain and y no quería no, no quiero ser inteligente en el pre-training, o sea, quiero mejor descansar, tratar de descansar mejor y, y, y fortalecer ese músculo en vez de seguir tratando de, de lesionarlo. 
Yeah, the shoulder bothered me a little bit, and I just want to be smart in the sprint training. I want to to get a strength on that muscle in the shoulder, and yeah, that and apart from there. So my main goal right now is to be healthy and get, gain strength on my shoulder. No, a poquito menos, tú sabes. Creo que yo estoy demasiado mejor que mejor que el año pasado, y por eso quiero estar 100% seguro de que esté bien en el hombro. Yeah, it's mild. Yeah, it's not nothing compared to last year. It's just a little bit. I just want to be 100% when when I take them out. Este, tú sabes, estoy, estoy, estoy aquí para, para, para competir, tú sabes, simplemente este, quizá algo que, que haga pasado con el hombro, pero nada, nada que ver, tú sabes, sigo compitiendo, sigo tratando de ayudar al equipo, o sea, como sea. Yeah, I just want to hear, uh, I'm here to compete, and obviously it's a, a little bit disappointed to be, to be, to, to have this setback, but definitely I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back and keep competing and be ready. So this is something that happens, and I know we always talk about pitching depth, Claves, because you can never have enough. It's always going to be tested and uh, already being tested. But for the Cardinals and Carlos, I know they don't want to speculate on what this means for his role moving forward, but could this seriously impact the way that the organization views him and, and how he's used not just this spring but into the season? I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, and I think that this rehab time that he's – I don't know if you want to call it rehab, but just making sure you take the proper precautions and how he handles this is going to say a lot about his commitment. Oh, there's an objective to the next two weeks. You have to get that shoulder yeah. stronger. Well, you have to get it stronger, but and I'm going to go back to being in shape. You know, we got a couple of guys walking around here who I don't think are in shape. And Carlos has got to make sure he doesn't put himself in a position where he gets behind because he's going to be an important guy to this ball club, whether he's a starter, whether he's in the bullpen. I'm just so tantalized by the potential of having him at the back end of the bullpen, especially with yeah. Miller and Hicks. And, you know, he could certainly be a weapon as, as a starter who is leading the National League in ERA when he went on the DL for the first time last year. But but that's the key phrase, DL for the first time. Well, as I said, uh, he, he gives you so many options as far as the bullpen is concerned. And, and I've told you this a few times. When you're a pinch hitter late in the ball game and you're looking at a good closer and he's got a fastball and a changeup or a fastball and a cutter, whatever the case is. But with Carlos, he has five pitches that he could throw for strikes and he can get people out with. We've seen this happen. So it's not only you're thinking about a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, you also have to think about an incredible changeup, a great curveball, a nasty slider, and a cutter that works both ways. So you've got all that to think about, and that's a lot to process for a hitter. Cardinals tickets are on sale now and start at just $5. The 2019 season is full of great matchups with the Cubs, Angels, and more, plus cool giveaways, including six jerseys, five bobbleheads, and much more. Get your 2019 tickets at cardinals.com. When we come back, we'll visit with Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Moselock. Just getting started on this edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Chris Raby with you, Mike Claiborne along as well. Ben Boyd, our executive producer, Mike Anderson back in our network studios, and we're back in a moment with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the countdown to opening day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren in Jupiter at Cardinals Spring Training. Great to have the president of baseball operations, John Mozeliak, with us as we are now three days away from games. Do you look forward to getting to see your team against some other teams, even if it's still the month of February, John? I got to admit, it feels like it's coming very fast. Um, you know, it's hard to believe that we're actually 
going to play games. I think um, we say that every year, right? I don't know. Like, I, I, I mean, I suppose we do, but it just, it just seems to me like, um, the, the like the commitments of what we've had to do when being down here, there's been a lot of like social things we've had to attend at night. And then, uh, you know, I think uh, the days of, of actually having pitchers, catchers, and position players together just don't feel very long. But the fact is, we're playing Saturday, and yeah. um, I guess the routine will change, and, and I, I suppose most people will look forward to that. But I think from a fan standpoint, it's much more fun to, to see games and, and see these guys on the field than just talking about what they did in a workout. What do you look for in the first few weeks as far as the games are concerned? The, the most important thing that we look for is is really the whole time we're down here is health um now there is certainly some things from a a a baseball standpoint that you want to see happen in other words think back to to when we were talking about accountability and 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 having players know what they need to work on back in october what you want to see now is like how much of that has actually been done what has been addressed and you don't really want to come to camp and and feel like you have these deficiencies because the clock's ticking and it, it's hard to make up for what you missed in november december and january and i and i feel like just my first impressions of of this camp are you know players took that seriously and i know our staff did because they were very diligent on that but i think when you ask like what are you looking for it's did we solve some of those problems as we got as we as it led up to here and i think the good news is we have were you happy with the, basically the condition of most of your players when they showed up it seemed like a lot of guys committed a, a great deal as you mentioned in the off season were you reasonably satisfied with what you see i was thrilled um you know i i feel like players hurt us Players reacted to us, and and they showed up in, in a really good spot. I think the other comment I'd make on that is just the enthusiasm you see at this camp. And, and you know, I've been here eight days, um, but there have been players down here for weeks. Since early January. Yeah, yeah. and that's a – I think that unto itself is a, is a compliment. Even today in the PFP competition, you saw the entire camp gathered – around field one and kind of cheering and and chirping and and having fun. And, you know, I know Mike and his staff have stressed competition to bring out the best in guys, but also um, you just see some personality, I think. And it's not that they didn't do fun or goofy stuff like that in the past, but but that kind of struck me today. I'm not sure I've ever seen the entire camp gathered around one field for 20 minutes like that. It It was pretty striking, I thought. That looked hard. <laughs> they were hitting rockets. <laughs> I was, rockets. I, I, I did absolutely nothing but watch, and I still felt a little out of out of breath, and I felt bad for our <laughs> fungo hitters because I mean, that looked like a lot of effort. But it, you know, I think like just to sort of dovetail on on your thoughts there, that's the exciting part of of what we have going on, and and. We're spoiled, the three of us, because we're around it. We get to see it. We get to see some of behind the curtains of of what's going on here. And I think Mike Schilt and his staff have done a, you know just a tremendous job of creating that environment. And you know that's exciting. And and more importantly, we do have some talented players that that are buying into it. And I think that's going to be very helpful in the long run. You know, Williams Perez looks like he could probably play shortstop for you if you needed him to. I think they were calling him Billy Baseball or Billy Backhand. That was 
it was it was fairly nonchalant looking as well. It was impressive. I, I thought all those guys that were out there did an amazing job. Again, it's 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 one thing to take a few grounders, but five minutes worth is like, yeah, like I was like trying like I was trying to get Wayno's attention and be like, hey buddy, you may want to like save a few. Like, well, well, like when you field the ball, take a few steps <laughs> and then throw the ball. Instead, it was like this rapid fire, and I was like thinking like the the, the team that most paused might win, and mm. no one did it. Hey, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Carlos. Uh, yesterday, you guys announced that you're going to shut him down for a bit. Um, not He didn't seem to be overly concerned. Give me your thoughts on how things unfolded. I mean, obviously, uh, um, anytime you have someone that's not pitching, you, there's some level of concern. But as far as, like, the news we, we received from our medical staff, from the MRIs, you know, there's, there's a level of confidence this is manageable. Um, you know, clearly the reason we, we don't want to ha have him just sort of push through this is because we have time. If this were, you know, last week of, of March, we might have to look at it differently. If it were middle of, of May, we might look at it differently. But we have the time to do it. And I think the question that, that I've been most asked since, you know, yesterday afternoon is, well, what's his role going to be? What does this mean? And the answer is we don't know. It, it really will depend on how he responds over the next couple of weeks. Does he resolve uh, um, being able to throw pain-free? And if he is, and, and these are very objective measurements we can do. So it's not me just simply saying, like, Mike, how are you feeling today? Right. And you tell me, great, mm -hmm. and yet you're not. So that that's sort of really the test here. And then based on that, we'll dictate, like, really what those next three to four weeks look like. Mike said that the structure of his shoulder and the imaging, he said – couldn't have been any better and he compared it to the strength of his shoulder in 2016 when some imaging happened is there a way to try and wrap your head around why he's he's had some struggles john over the past year and do you know at this point or is it too early to say if there's any connection to what he dealt with last year and maybe what you're trying to accomplish right now yeah, a couple of thoughts on that. I mean, obviously, when you have someone that 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 has dealt with similar injuries over the course of two to three years, there there's clearly something that's going wrong, right? Um, I think from a medical standpoint, we've identified that. I think really what what Carlos has to accept or realize, in a lot of ways, is what's his new normal. In other words. You know, think back to when you were younger, you were pain-free, whatever you were doing. And now as, as you age, things aren't quite the same. And for him, perhaps maybe spending a little more time thinking about the physical therapy end of preparation and and concentrating more on a, a, a disciplined throwing program in his offseason might be better better use of time for him than simply just weight room work. And I think that's an adjustment that players, as they – mature or or get more experience learn that and i think that's something you need he needs to do D despite the small sample size of what he was able to do at the end of last year uh, were you able to lock in or, or take anything away from maybe how he felt physically in in a bullpen role at the end of last year after he came off the dl well i i do think last year you know he battled through some discomforts and again that's you know, one of those things where you need, we need to know as a, as a, as a medical staff, what we can do to help. And, and so that's what really what we want to focus on over the next few weeks is, you know, create that, that, um, infrastructure where 
he can avoid having those discomforts. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of muscles in that shoulder and a lot of different uh, small groups that need to be focused on. And, and hopefully our, our PT program can do that for him. Before we wrap up with games a couple of days away and, and mentioning Carlos and his program for the next two weeks, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about Alex Reyes because he uh, threw live BP yesterday. Uh, the feedback that, that we heard was positive. Was that a little bit perhaps ahead of schedule, John? What have you seen or uh, what feedback have you been given on Alex and how would you characterize where he is right now with games a couple of days away? I would say with, with Alex, one of the things that, that we felt was important in this camp was for him to feel a part of the camp. Um, you know, clearly the last couple of years being part of the rehab program, not really being part of the day, the day to day was something that I think he found frustrating. And I can only imagine if you had a third year in a row of that. So, you know, we're, we've been very intentional of making him just feel normal in this camp. Now, clearly, we have to be smart about it. Can't just push to push. But um, I did not actually see yesterday's um, session, so I, I feel bad I can't comment on it uh, specifically. But I will say that um, the feedback I got was, was positive in the sense he was out there. It was normal, and, and he felt good about it. They were moving pretty quick in those drills today, as you said, to lead things off looked like full go everything do you think that he's going to continue to progress at, at maybe a pace that was ahead of what you guys expected or, or is it honestly just day to day with him because it's it's kind of a unique situation you know Chris one of the things I've always tried to do is not make predictions and for this very reason because ahead or behind I, I think in the end we have to just adapt and adjust wherever a person is and so you know I'm thrilled that he's being able to participate in, in the normal program and in terms of, of whether we keep the foot on the gas or have to pump the brakes, time will tell. Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Moselak, we appreciate you uh, swinging by the studio. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Let's give away six ticket vouchers for any single session of the 2019 Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament, March 7th through the 10th. For more information on the games, visit archmadness.com. We'll take caller three right now at 314-531-1120. John Brebia is next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne with you. We are in Jupiter, Florida, back in a moment on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's a countdown to opening day show presented by Amron on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Well, John Brebby is back in spring training, and, man, what a fun time it was to watch you pitch last year. Uh, you got your chance, and you didn't, you didn't miss out on it, although you had a chance to spend a lot of time on Highway 55. I did, yeah. You know, I got pretty comfortable with the flights back and forth and the drives, um, but I appreciate it. Thank you. I, I had a ton of fun last year as, as I – did the year before, so hopefully uh, can make things work and, and try and work my way into the team this year. And for you, you say fun because you were a late bloomer. You weren't a guy that was this hot prospect phenom. You played in a lot of different leagues that people know about. So at this point in your life, yeah, it must be fun. Yeah, the uh, I, I think I lost a little bit of the, I don't know if I'd call it angst, but when I got released by the Yankees, baseball became more of what it was like when I was younger, when I was a little kid. It, I enjoyed playing it, um, and I found that when I had fun doing it, I had fun doing it. So I thought, hey, what the heck? I get picked up by the Cardinals, um, 
And I think, well, you know, if, if I want it to be fun, I've got to have fun. So I just kind of try and do that. Well, you certainly do that, and you have fun with your teammates, a, a very well-liked and respected guy in your clubhouse. Have you always been this way where you were just a guy showed up looking to have a good time? <laughs> um, that's a good question. I, I may have to scroll through my phone contacts to uh, to ask some former teammates, but I think I've always tried to enjoy myself as, as much as I could. That kind of makes it worth it. You had a fun off season. Uh, you had a chance to do a little traveling to the Far East. Tell me about that experience. Oof, where do I start? Um, it combines two. Well, it actually combines three of my favorite things. I love to travel. I love baseball, and I love my wife. And I got to travel with my wife to play baseball. To play baseball. Um, so it it checked all three boxes for me. I love going to new places, uh, especially, you know, the culture over there is so different than it is here. Um, I had a blast butchering the Japanese language trying to get around. Did you uh, prep for it at all? Did you try and learn a few phrases, a few terms you could use? I started to, but without a translator, without someone to help me with pronunciation, I was a complete lost cause. Um, so I, I learned how to say please and thank you before I got there. And then when I was there, I, I just tried to poke and prod at, at some of our translators to have them help me with, with some other words and phrases. Did you have the beard working for you when you got there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, sure that was quite an attraction. Yes. I got a lot of people that were, you know, would visibly point and laugh at me. Um, it wasn't offensive. You know, it wasn't like, I mean, they were laughing at me, but, but it didn't really hurt that much. Um, it, was, it was really funny to see people's reactions when I, when I was walking around with not just the beard, but then as I started to shave it into different shapes, um, I, I got some pretty obscure looks for that, and, and it was all in good fun. You mentioned you like to travel. From that trip alone, what did you come away with uh, learning about a different culture? Oh, that's a good question. Um, th there were a couple of things that that I thought were kind of unique. Um, one of the things I really liked about Japan was there's not a lot of eating or drinking food when they're walking around the streets. Their meals, at least it looked like, were usually stationary. Um, oftentimes they were had with other people. And to me that was just kind of like... It's a nice break in the day. They sit down, they focus on eating and being with friends or family or something, and then go about their day versus, you know, my usual swing through a coffee shop, get something to go, hustle to the next place. Yeah, it, it was nice to uh, to dial it back a little bit. What did you learn about their brand of baseball? That it's different. It is very different. Um, I, the, the approach from the hitters was something that I, you know, I wasn't very familiar with. Uh, it, it looks like they're really contact-based, and they're looking to drive the ball with every swing that they take. They don't want to strike out. Um, if they walk, great, you know, getting on base. It's uh, A lot of people use the term small ball to describe that style of baseball, and I don't think that's a perfect description because they do, they do have some boppers over there. Um, Did you find out firsthand? Yeah, I saw a little bit. I, I saw some balls get barreled up. But not by you. You didn't serve any up uh, like that. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't check me on. Don't fact check me on the tapes. But no. Uh, but I, I, I small, small ball is a tough way to put it. But they're definitely uh, appreciative of moving runners over and just kind of the classic traditional style of the game. 
All right, you're in another spring training with the Cardinals, and as I mentioned earlier, you really have forged a, a, a legitimate role on this ball club. What do you try and do at this point coming into the spring? Because I'm sure you still have the mindset, I've got to make the club. There's nothing guaranteed for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things I've learned about myself is that uh, complacency is a killer for me. So I want to show up every day and try and make the team each day. Uh, you know, what, what can I do to get on the club right now? What can I do to get on the club before I leave? Um, and then the next day rolls around and same mentality there. I, I think that way I can get the most out of my days. And hopefully if I can get the most out of my days, I can be prepared for the season and I, I can be an effective enough pitcher to to land a spot on the team what do you try and work on in spring training at this point uh is it conditioning is it strength is it velocity location i mean what what is john brevia at this point in his career knowing his body as he does what do you try and work on it's a lot more of the skill-based stuff. Um, the off-season is a good time to get in pretty good shape, build up the arm strength, and spring training is a really good time to use all of that and throw to hitters, you know, working on command, working on mixing speeds, moving the ball around, throwing a bunch of change-ups and breaking balls. Um, and here in a couple of days we'll be able to do that to hitters, which is a really kind of unique aspect of spring training, and it's a great time to work on stuff. All right, it's always fun to visit with you. Are you still, by the way, going to carry the umbrella this year? If it's raining, I'll have it, absolutely. Why don't you tell our listeners that story about the umbrella and your obsession with making sure you always have one? You know, I, uh, I've been rained on before, and I've gotten soaking wet from the rain, and I thought, boy, there should be some type of contraption that can be carried around, but they can also be opened up and used for when the sky is, is dumping water on us. Um, and my first day called up in 2017, it was raining, and I was under the impression I had to walk to the field. So I got an umbrella from the front desk of our hotel, and I liked it. I didn't get wet on my Did you return over. it? I did. Well, I actually bought it from them. So I, I returned it, but then they said, you can have it. And I said, oh, great, how much? Um, and, I, and I ended up paying for it because it was kind of a special memento also to have. You know, like this is, this is the first day in the big leagues. This was kind of a kind of a strange thing that I had to do to, to get to the field. Uh, turns out I could take the bus. That was just a made-up rule that I think someone played a prank on me doing. <laughs> um, but it, it just sort of stuck, and it became pretty memorable. As always, it's a treat to talk to you. Have fun in the spring, and we look forward to seeing you hopping out of a truck in St. Louis for opening day. Hey, I appreciate it. That wouldn't be too shabby. Thank you to John Brebbia. Looking forward to Mike Claiborne chatting with Dr. Robert Butler when we come back. Don't forget about the Cardinals Kids Club. It's presented by Rawlings and is the fan club for kids 13 and under. Membership includes exclusive Cardinals items, two tickets to a 2019 Cardinals home game, an invite to a members-only party at Bush Stadium, and much more. Visit cardinals.com slash kidsclub to join. Klaibs with the performance director, Dr. Robert Butler, next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Well, it's always great to visit with Dr. Robert Butler. He is the director of performance for the St. Louis Cardinals. And I was telling somebody I was going to talk to you, and they said, well, what's the director of performance? So let's go with that definition first. Yeah, hey, great to talk again, Mike. Um, yeah, so I think that, the, you know, as organizations have been built out, there's been a lot more support personnel to figure out how do we optimize what the players are doing on the field, 
Um, and the, and the, the you know the earliest edition was the um, athletic trainers that were part of the part of the team to kind of handle the medical things. And then you added strength coaches in there, and then then you got rehab, and so we got some more physical therapists, chiropractors, and nutritional supplement you know coming into play as far as how do we optimize that with our players, how we keep clean, you know, make sure guys aren't you know failing any um, drug tests uh, inadvertently just because they didn't know the products to get, and and it, it historically it, it gets down to. You know, how can we most efficiently manage bringing in the right people, having the right system, having the right processes, and it becomes its own kind of structure to manage. And so really that's that's my main role in the organization is how do we kind of summarize that so we don't have 17 different voices, but we have a singular voice and a singular mission and a singular purpose to know, one, once, once that process isn't effective, so we know what other strategies need to be taken care of, but also so that we don't, you know, distract from the goal, which is to win world championships. You know, it's interesting. You, you bring everybody together like that. You're right. You have to have one voice. And with the technology and all the, the education and there are more studies taking place, this is an ever-changing industry. No doubt. No doubt. I think that, you know, I think that um, one of my favorite quotes, it comes out of a uh, Legacy, which is a book about the All Blacks uh, culture from the New Zealand rugby team and kind of how they reestablish things. And you know, one of the 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 most important areas of what's referred to as a high performance team performance team is is not necessarily knowing what to say yes to, but knowing what to say no to. Because you know, as, as Gary LaRock always talks about, it's, it's those distractions that really take away from the player's development. And you know, if we go down this rabbit hole of chasing X, Y, or Z item, is that you know? The more the more noise we chase after, and the less signal, the less efficient we're going to be with how can we give back to the player, to the organization. So, we we have a pretty systematic way, and we, we like to think it. And it's it's not perfect, but it's and it's always evolving. But systematic way, we figure out where our where our blind spots are. You know, as Schultz been talking about, to create our sweet spots, right? Um, and also knowing where we can grow and where we feel like we have a reasonable path. That that as long as we're talking the same language and we're minimizing the things that. Maybe we're saying the same way, but in a slightly different tone. So maybe we think it means different things, but it's actually the same thing. If we minimize those disruptions, we can figure out where we have successes, but also figure out what other options we have for growth with helping the players reach their maximum potential. You know, you talk about distraction. One of the things, and I'm sure for you as a director of performance, how many people knock on your door with this newfangled idea of how we can do this better? If it's nothing more than trying to reinvent the wheel, that that's got to take up a lot of your time, and I'm sure you have your own standards of what you're looking for at this point. Yeah, I think I think, and that's part of the benefit of, of having a having a background from um, from a coaching perspective, from a scouting perspective, doing my graduate work at, at Springfield College in Massachusetts, where I worked with the men's soccer program, then coming up and doing my PhD, clinical doctorate. Um, th- there's a sense of how maybe things can connect. Um, we've got some really good colleagues in the field that we that we trust as well, and in, in other sports and other domains that are dealing with similar issues. Like, like you know, golf's a great example where you get titleists who, when Tiger Woods comes online, their goal is to simply, um, you know, how do you beat Tiger Woods with 60 golfers? And you take care of them in 60 different locations, playing at you know a number of different events across the world. How do you support them? How do you support that? And it's very similar to what we deal with from our end of how do we we have 10 teams, seven locations. How do we not miss steps or miss opportunities there to maximize what we're doing with the individuals? And once again, if we take another 10 hours to evaluate this item that either doesn't have a spot or maybe we're not ready for or maybe just doesn't 
is something we already do right now in a more efficient manner and maybe a more structured manner, then it's time we've missed engaging to figure out um, how to, to target what our players are doing. Now, don't get me wrong. There's always going to be time for discovery, time for evaluation, time for evolution. But the more efficient we are in identifying, one, if there's a need there at all, right? Two, if this is a reliable and valid item or technology or, I mean, this can be pencil and paper mental skills test. Um, and, and also figuring out how do we scale that so that it can be tracked and modifiable across the organization. As soon as we understand that more, we can more efficiently assess, say, yes, this belongs. No, this doesn't belong. Because like, in the end, if, if you've got a number in front of a player and you can't explain it very well... <laughs> Then you know they, they 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 you know they're pretty good at, at at letting you know what you know and what you don't know, no matter how many initials you got behind your name. So you know we once again we are here to support the players, and if we're not doing that effectively, then then we really need to, to refocus what our energies are. But that's what we're always here about. This is about baseball. It's about supporting the the ability to develop the players in the right manner, and support the big league players in driving towards winning that. 12th World Championship. Head to Cardinals Nation on March 3rd for Mardi Gras Brunch. This $35 brunch includes live music from the Backwater Stoppers Band, a mimosa or Bloody Mary, plus free admission to the Cardinals Museum. Reserve your table today at cardinalsnation.com. We're back in a moment to wrap up Hour 1 of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. The 2019 Cardinals official calendar spotlighting the signature artwork of the club photographers with a special salute to Unbreakable Cardinal Records is on sale now for just $10. Available only at 314-345-9000. And we'll give one away right now to caller 3 at 314-531-1120. All right, a big thanks to all of our guests in Hour 1. Thank you to John Mozeliak, Cardinals President of Baseball Operations, John Brebia, and Dr. Robert Butler. Coming up in our second hour, we will kick things off with Tim Kirkchin of ESPN. We'll also visit with Dexter Fowler and Adam Wainwright. Looking forward to the second hour of the show and our final show before Grapefruit League games start at Roger Dean Stadium on Saturday. One hour in the books, so one hour coming up. Chris Raby with you along with Mike Claiborne. Ben Boyd is our executive producer. Mike Anderson back in our Cardinals Network studios. A big thanks as always to Ann Carroll of the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren and we're back after this on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. All right, back to the field. Bases loaded. The pitch for Yanni. Here it comes. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. Swings and hits it deep. Get up, baby. Get up. Get up. It's a grand slam. Oh, a grand slam home run for Yadier Molina. He touches the ball. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. We have a chance to visit with our good friend Tim Kirchin of ESPN. How many years now for you covering the big leagues? Well, this is 40 years. It's 38 spring trainings, but this is my 40th year covering baseball. And, Mike, I don't want to be corny about this. This is still a big thrill today. The game has changed. The players have changed. Spring training has changed dramatically. But 
the game hasn't really changed overall in the big picture. And I still love the thought that for the next eight months, I'm going to be at a ballpark all the time. And that's what makes me really happy. I, I would agree with you, but it's nothing like spring training either, though, is it? I mean, we're all looking forward to the weather. We haven't seen guys for a while. Everybody has hope that they're going to be better than what they were last year. Some teams even say, we're just here to win the whole thing and nothing else. Right. Spring training is my favorite time of year. No one's lost any games yet. Everyone's relaxed. Everyone's in a good mood. And it's fascinating, spring training, to see that pitcher, Michael Walker, let's say, coming back from an injury. It's fascinating to watch that position player who's going to play a new position this spring and just the general makeup of the club or a new manager how is he handling things there's so much you can learn in spring training not to mention all the kids that you're going to see really for the first time their first big league camp and then when they come up let's say in august september i'm going to be able to say i saw that guy at roger dean stadium that day and i'll know a little bit about him so the stuff i learned here today will i will be using six months from now and that's what makes it so special what do you like about this Cardinal team? They obviously made some changes in the offseason. Uh, they improved some areas that were certainly desperate in need. But what do you like about this team, and what do you like about the division? Well, the division is really good, and I believe the Cardinals are the most improved team in the National League, and that really says something. Paul Goldschmidt, everybody knows what he does as a power hitter and what he's done the last five or six years. He's ridiculously good. But as we know, the defense on this team had to improve. He's a gold-glove first baseman, and when you bring in a gold-glove first baseman, I've seen this a dozen times, it improves the entire infield when you know that guy over there is going to catch it or that guy's going to catch it and throw it a second here. He's really good at that. So he upgrades the middle of the order. And he upgrades the defense dramatically. And then, of course, Andrew Miller, if that knee is healthy and he stays healthy, he is a dominant, devastating relief pitcher. And now if you can throw Jordan Hicks at 103 miles an hour and then bring in a 6-foot, 8-inch left-hander slinging it from over here, you got the 8th and ninth inning covered for Joey Votto, for Christian Yelich, and for all the right-handed hitters. That should be a good sign for the Cardinals. You know, it's interesting because we watch Miller in postseason and they used him differently where he was a two-inning guy. All of a sudden, we see Milwaukee use it a little bit last year. Is that a trend we're going to see a little bit more of, especially if you have a loaded bullpen where maybe you'll have two guys that will pitch two innings twice a week? Yeah, I think we're starting to slowly change how we use bullpen. Well, the last five years, if not the last 30 years, we have really used the bullpen. And we're using openers now, and we're starting relievers, and we're doing all this. In the end, though, the, the formula that works is five really good starting pitchers and then a bunch of relievers. And when you have two of them who can go an inning here, inning there, two innings here, two innings there, that's when you got it made. And too many teams got themselves in a box. This guy can only pitch here. He can only pitch to one batter. What the Cardinals are trying to do is saying, we don't want defined roles in the bullpen. We want guys to get certain hitters out at certain times. And every time might be a little bit different. And I think that's the right way to go. What else has changed about the game for you for the better? Because we're seeing a lot of things done differently. Analytics obviously has had a, a significant impact on evaluating assets and even how it's taught. But what do you like about where the game is going right now? Well, I've never seen this many great young players all at the same time, starting with Trout and Harper when they came up, whatever, seven years ago. And the number of great young players that have come to the big leagues, I've never seen anything like it. And not only are they talented, they are bigger, stronger, faster than ever. Now, all we have to do is teach them 
this is the coaches, managers, instructors, how to play the game, but they have all the requisite athletic ability and, and talent to play the game. Now we have to teach them the finer points. But every day I see a young player and I go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how good he is, and I can't believe how big he is. This is the biggest change in my 40 years of covering baseball, how big the players are now, not just big but fast and athletic. You know, and, and what you said something about athletic. I think there are more athletes play in the game and it's really as I say that I think about all the travel teams and the select teams where some of these kids play baseball it seems like 13 months out of a year but it seems like there are more guys who are more adept at being able to do more than play shortstop and play center field right and that's what the game calls for but this is another you know plea by me Mike to put the ball in play more often if you have the most athletic shortstop second baseman and center fielder you've ever seen we need to see them run a ball down but when we're averaging 17 strikeouts per game and too many walks and too many home runs there aren't enough balls put in play Craig Council told me last year our shortstop Arcia is tremendous he's unbelievable I can't wait to watch him but he doesn't get to play enough. He doesn't get enough plays because not enough balls are put in play. That would be my wish, that we let these athletic players show that athleticism more. And the only way to do that is to get the ball in play a little more often. Where are we going with pace of play? Where are we going with the DH? And where are we going with uh, how this free agent market has worked? And, and the collective bargaining agreement, which is a couple of years down the road, but you can just see the guys are already circling in the wagon on, on that front as well. Right. I think we're going to put pace of play and the DH on the on the back burner for the moment and try to figure out what's going on with the free agent market. The players are clearly frustrated and they are resentful of the situation that's going on right now. And the two sides had better get together because, look, I understand if I'm an owner, I'm not going to give a ridiculous amount of money to a player like we used to do five years ago. But there's no way around this. The game is better when the best players are in camp. And there are roughly 100 guys not here. That cannot be healthy for the game. So I think the Players Association is saying every issue we need to discuss now, it starts with what's going on with competitive integrity and what's going on with free agency. Do you think we'll see a day contractually where maybe it's three years plus an option where everybody's and, – and they don't mind paying. I mean, I know guys like the security down the road. But it just seems to me if you're willing to pay a guy a lot of money for a short term, everybody seems like they get more out of it. That's where I think we're going. And I had a major league manager tell me yesterday it's the 10-year deals that got that have teams really scared right now. It's the five-year deal for a 32-year-old guy. So why don't we go shorter contracts and give them more money per season? He was saying yesterday, you know, Steph Curry makes $35 million a year. It's okay to pay a baseball player $30 million a year as long as it's not for 12 years. You can, you can handle that as a club, and then if it doesn't work, you're only tied up for five years. That's where I think we're going to be headed in the next collective bargaining is we're going to have to redo the free agent system, and I think the players are going to have to acknowledge we're going to get paid a lot, but we're going to get paid in shorter amounts rather than longer amounts. You know, we have so many, as you mentioned earlier, so many young players that are making big league rosters. Will they have to tweak arbitration or free agency at all? Because we're seeing a lot of guys, and we talk about a couple of kids last year with the Okuna and the young man from Washington breaking in at 19. I mean, free agency is going to come to them a lot sooner than most guys. So will we see a tweak in that in that format? 
I think we're going to see tweaks in every single financial format that we have right now. Because, again, the players are upset about what's going on. The, the owners are saying, well, look, you know, there's, there's a new way we're doing things now. Okay, These young, brilliant, remorseless general managers have a value system they've created based mostly on saver metrics. And if you don't fit in that box for them, they're not going to sign you. That's why the system, to me at least, has to be tweaked to make everybody happy and assure that we don't have a work stoppage in three years, which is certainly possible. And I'm just not sure baseball can handle that right now. Two final questions for you. One, um, I'm going to make you commissioner for a day, and there are three things I'd like to see what makes what you'd like to see done differently or make sure we promote it more. And also, you've been the guy who's made the great transition of being a very accomplished writer to being a recognizable TV guy for ESPN and everything else that you do. Which one do you still have the most fun with? And uh, go back to the commissioner role. Well, I still have the most satisfaction when I write a, a really good story. Nothing will make me feel better than that. I've written three books, and nothing makes me feel better than when I complete a book that I wrote. Having said that, now being in the booth for games, this is my new play toy. I've been doing it for three years. It's the greatest thing ever. I get to talk about baseball for three and a half hours, but I get to do it from a major league game, which is it's the only place to be is at the ballpark. As for being a commissioner, um, the first thing I would do is I would solidify, unify the designated hitter. I would either get rid of it or more likely and more logically put it in both leagues. I know the National League doesn't want it. I don't blame them. If they got rid of it totally, I wouldn't care about that. But that's the first thing for me that I would do. To me, it's ridiculous that we've been at this for 46 years and the two leagues have different rules. I'd like seeing pitchers bad. I'm okay with that. But the union will not let a good job, high-paying job like that get away, so let's be realistic. Let's just put it in both leagues, start from there. As for pace of play, look, I'm all for a pitch clock as long as we give the pitchers a little bit of time to adjust to it and not make the penalties ridiculous. But we just can't have anybody going 53 pitches, th seconds in between pitches. I've seen that in the last five years. That's too long. Let's move it along. I, we don't need a, an hour and 58-minute game. We just need the pace to pick it up a little bit. All right, you're going to be in the booth this year. You said you're having a great time with it. What other responsibilities can we see you adhere to this year as far as ESPN and your writing? Well, I'm on baseball tonight every Sunday. I do Sports Center several times a week. I do a booth game at least once a week. I write for ESPN.com. I'm on the radio all the time. I am a busy man, but, Mike, you know this. When you're busy doing this, you're having fun. Looking forward to seeing you in St. Louis this year, as always. Thanks for the time. All right, thank you. Well, we'll talk with Nate Green a little bit later this hour, but do want to let you know that you should head to Cardinals Nation on March 3rd for Mardi Gras brunch. This $35 brunch includes live music for the Backwater Stompers Band, a mimosa or Bloody Mary, plus free admission to the Cardinals Museum. Reserve your table today at cardinalsnation.com. Dexter Fowler joins us next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ameren, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Dexter Fowler joins us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren and Jupiter, Florida, as we get set for games to start on Saturday Man, were you surprised the amount of guys that were here as, as early as they were here when you got here last week, Dexter? No, it's good. It's good. It, it's awesome to see. Uh, you know, I'd heard all the guys are coming, which 
which wasn't a surprise. These guys love to work, and uh, it's a, it's awesome to see. In terms of, of this offseason, Dexter, what was the toughest part about having to wait until being physically cleared to do stuff? How do you handle that, and how do you deal with not being able to go through your normal offseason? Uh, the win. The win, you you know, you get anxious and uh, – you know, you get tired. Of, now I had to go back in a boot, and you don't know whether you're gonna have to get surgery or or, or that. So the, I guess the unknown. But uh, fortunately, I didn't have to do that, and everything healed perfectly. And you know, I I, I had been doing stuff actually since I got hurt. I you know, I, I kind of stayed up on my upper body stuff, and you know, did some did some lower body stuff as well. So the atrophy and all that, it, it wasn't too bad. We heard you, Mo, Schilt, everybody talking about. Last year, when the injury happened, everyone felt like that was the time. It was starting to click. Things were starting to come together. What was working for you at that time? Can you take any positives of where you were just before the injury looking back? Yeah, I got some playing time. <laughs> I, I think that sums it up, you know. And then, you know, after, you know, after that whole, that whole thing, um, I got some playing time. And I, I told the boys, I, actually, that game, I told them, I said, spring training's over. You know, it's time to go. And uh, I think I was two hits in with a walk and ready to go, and then I, my foot broke. So, you know, that, but that sums it up. That sums it up. Uh, but at the end of the day, you, you move past it, and this is a new year and ready to go. For you, uh, you and Mike Schilt seem to really hit it off, and we talk about him being such a communicator. And you guys really got to know each other during the offseason. How much has that meant to you? Because when you've had good seasons, you've had great rapport with the managers and coaches. Yeah, at the end of the day, you just want somebody that's, that's just going to be it's going to be honest with you and good, bad, or ugly, and uh, they're going to look you in the eye and, and and not tell you what you want to hear, but tell you what you need to hear. And uh, you know, like we're all grown men, and I, you know, Shilty says it all the time, and we can always have a conversation. And and you know, he's a great communicator, and he, and he trusted his guys. So, so why do you think that can be hard sometimes, whether it's teammates or? staff members why, why can that be a struggle do you think and i guess over the course of a long season things can get tough when you're around people every day for for 10 months or whatever yeah you got to know where you stand you know you, i mean if, if you i feel like if uh if you don't know where you stand and and, and you're sitting there always wondering then you, you, I, I believe if you're in the trenches with somebody and you know for me it's uh you're trying to win you need to know you know the ins and outs of uh, of who who's right next to you and who's who's right behind you. For you and a lot of guys, when spring training starts and you rehabbing in the off season, what's the one thing you were looking forward to doing when you got to Jupiter this year? When it comes to maybe swinging the bat or just seeing how your legs feel, uh, what was the one thing you were looking forward to? Uh, just being around the guys again. Just being around the guys uh, in a in a in a better capacity and. Uh, and just just being able to smile and, and and be able to joke around with the guys as we work. Other than you, because we know you can give it to the best of them all the time. Who's another guy that you get a kick out of being around? Um, kick out of being around. Uh, you got there's a lot of personalities in there. Oso, Oso's crazy. Uh, let's see, Hosey. Uh, Pitcher-wise, you got all the pitchers. They all have their their, their quirks. Um, there, there's, I mean, there's no really boring guys in here. You know, you got Brebbia, who's all over the place. Um, That's one way to put it, right? Yeah, he, he, you know, you never know what to expect, which is awesome. Who's one guy you you wouldn't let watch your kids? 
Wouldn't let watch my kids probably would be um, one guy. Who? I'm trying to think of somebody that has no kids. <laughs> uh, I'd say Polly D. <laughs> Polly D's not watching my kids. How do you how do you feel about the the talent you guys have in that clubhouse, Dexter? You've been on some incredible teams, but. You know, sitting here in, in the middle of February, how do you like your chances and how do you think you stack up in the division and in the league? Um, you know, on paper, we look nice. We look really good. Um, secondly, um, you know, we all put it together. It's going to be a really good team. But third, you got to have the personalities. The personalities have to click, and uh, that's a big part of it. Um, but I, I think in here, it's, 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 it's looking really good. And finally, speaking of personality, how would you describe the personality of this clubhouse or what is best case scenario for, for you guys? I think for fans, they don't get to see that. So when you say that, they might not know what you mean. How, how do you develop it over the course of a spring and, and into the season? I think all the boys just vibing. I think, I, I think that's a, you know, you, you get that feeling that, and it starts in spring training. You see the guys, everybody talking to everybody, everybody just being inclusive. And uh, I think, uh, you know, I think I'm a big part of that. I think, you know, the, some of the older guys are, are a huge part of that, and uh, we, when we get that going, you know, you got that. Then, then you got all aspects covered. Well, I agree because you came up. You're like Chris Klebs. I want to do this right now. I want to hang, visit with you guys, and do this interview because of your media. Now I'm at I'm at I'm at five minutes fifty seven seconds. You said six minutes, so we'll wrap it up. Appreciate, it, man. Great to see you. No, thank you guys. Cardinals tickets are on sale now and start at just $5. The 2019 season is full of great matchups with the Cubs, Angels, and more, plus cool giveaways, including six jerseys, five bobbleheads, and much more. Get your 2019 tickets at cardinals.com. Adam Wainwright with us next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Emeron on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Welcome back. Chris Ramby and Mike Claiborne on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren in Jupiter, Florida, as the Cardinals get set for their first Grapefruit League action on Saturday. Adam Wainwright gets set for another season. The right-hander sat down with me inside the Cardinals complex earlier this week. Is there a benefit to getting things going and then starting spring games so quickly as a player, as someone who you know, is starting this eight, nine, maybe ten-month grind what's it like to get dipped into competition on it saturday it does seem like it's happening quick is it quicker than normal this year i feel like games i don't know are starting the season's earlier. moved up it's like the end of march now okay well, maybe that's why maybe that's why I'm, we've played a couple games in march uh seemed like we played the first game a lot it seems like um i don't know I, I think anytime you can get into competition against big league hitters earlier it's going to give you an advantage also going to give you more reps also going to give you more bullets through the chamber so there's give and take right you don't want to waste all your good stuff um, but you do want to be completely prepared and so it's it's you just got to be smart about it rather than ask how you feel i'm wondering how your body and how you are different physically this year maybe compared to last spring or the spring before outside of being healthy well last year in spring training um while i could get myself up to pitch every fifth day and find a way through a live or through a live VP or through a bullpen session in between starts what was really tough was playing catch doing pickoff moves you know just the the things that 
kind of you think are easy you take for granted your whole career, those were the really tough things for me. Uh, fielding my position and throwing it from like weird angles and stuff was really tough last year. Um, this year I've played catch every day, normal catch, not thought anything about it, backed up. My catch partner's been Andrew Miller. He backs up to, you know, pretty good distance every day and we throw on the line. I mean, it's dramatic difference, honestly. When you say it was tough, you mean like, was it soreness? I know you've talked about some inflammation. Was it because you came in lighter? Why, why was some of that stuff difficult? Do you well, think? it wasn't because I was lighter. I was, I was lighter because they were trying to alleviate some of that inflammation in my body. But when you throw a ball and you feel like your elbow is just going to break in half every throw, that's not a good feeling. <laughs> that's kind of where I was. Sounds pretty awful. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And it's, it's just so unique. I've never seen anybody. My problems always stemmed from the back of my elbow. Um, and I just haven't seen many people with problems in the back of their elbow. I think it was because I pitched for years with a partially torn ligament in the front of my elbow, and so that kind of put more pressure on the back. But um, our, our training staff and, and trainers have just done such an incredible job of preparing me and getting me back onto the field and healing up better. And the doctors, Dr. Paletta and his staff, have been incredible. Um, you know, without them, I would have retired years ago. I, I was wondering how close you were last year to maybe thinking that it was over. I can't imagine you went through a pretty thorough rehab process and, and went from that to pitching and pitching incredibly one of the biggest games of the year that Sunday night against the mm -hmm. Dodgers. Was there a time when, when you thought you weren't going to play again last season? Oh, yeah. I was one month from retirement. You know, if I hadn't started to heal miraculously in August and started feeling good really in the beginning of September for the first time all year I would have retired you know I would have at least at least sat out a year to try to get better um, but things I mean it went from uh, I'm not getting any better I'm not healing at all nothing has changed in three months of rehab to all of a sudden now I can play catch now I can throw long toss, now I can throw off the mound and play catch the next day. Well, that's a big thing, recovering. I knew I was recovering when I, could, when I could throw a bullpen or I could face hitters and the next day I could still play catch and back up to a, a, a respectable distance. The, the times before when I tried to come back, you know, I'd pitch and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't throw for three days, you know, so it's, it was, it's been cool, man. It's been, it's, been, it's been a cool process to know that the, the, the work that we put in and the, the things that we tried differently and as far as routine in the weight room and the training room and eating different, all that stuff made a difference. How, how do you think that discipline, that willingness to try things, even if there's got to be frustration because at some point it's, if I'm not healing, it's, it's got to be out of your control. Yeah. How do you still manage to stay positive and, and to also keep working in a way that is how a leader of, of a team and of an organization works, Adam. Well, one, one answer is very obvious and blunt, that they paid me very well to go out and perform, and so I, I owed it to the team and to the organization to try to do that. So I needed to do whatever I could do to try to get out, out there and do it. The other thing is I've done this my whole life. I've always wanted to be a baseball player. I've always wanted to be a Major League Baseball player. And when I've been given the opportunity to live out my dream, it would be really sad for me to not put everything I could possibly put into being out there every fifth day. You made an interesting point on Twitter earlier this week when you were explaining and expounding on some of the comments that you made at the beginning of the week is that what I, I will ask you for, but the average career length for the average player and the average 
professional player who even gets to the big leagues. It's, yeah. you know, we watch you guys and, and fans watch you guys on television and watch you for over a decade. It's kind of hard to put into perspective how rare that kind of career and that kind of career for someone like you and Yadier with, with one club is. Yeah, it's very rare. It's very rare. I mean, if you look around professional sports, period, really, I mean, baseball and football, the, the, the lifespan of a big league or a, a professional football NFL career is very, very short. So our, our, our years to, to, to have success and, and, and earn money based off that are very finite. Um, I think NFL people judge, or people joke all the time that that stands for not for long. You know, and those injuries are just stacking up. Those guys are so strong and big and fast. And what we have to put into today's game to be so explosive, these young guys are just so strong and so fast and so explosive. We have to try to match that. And so the more you put into it, obviously, you get very good shape. You get very fast twitch. But at the same time, you, you might, you know, you might open yourself up for more fast twitch type muscle things to happen or ligament stuff to blow because arms are now moving 105 miles an hour. I mean, Jordan Hicks threw balls 105 miles an hour last year. That's absolutely mind-blowing to me. Um, so when you look at our careers, it's just you just can't waste a day. You know, it's so important to, to realize that every day's catch means something. Every throw that, it, that you make, it means something. Every at-bat you take, it means something. You know, it's hard to do that over a long season, but it's important. If you're rehabbing last year, or a couple of years ago, or even if things are going well and you're winning 20 games and in the mix for the Cy Young, how does your family keep things in perspective for you, Adam? Whether it's February 19th or it's yeah. middle of October and you're playing in the World Series. Well, I mean, the great thing about having a bunch of kids like I do, they they, they see me as dad and they think I'm great. You know, like I, I just as long as I don't mess that up um, with them, then. Seemingly, my baseball career—they they think it's really cool. I'm a baseball player. I get to go to the field and work on this, you know, giant stadium. Um, and a couple of years ago, I came in. I, I pitched like five innings and gave up four or five runs, and and uh, gave up a three-run homer that just turned the tide of the game. I was really low, and I came into the to the family room, and my oldest daughter, she was probably seven or six or seven at the time she goes dad way to go you gave up five runs way to go and I was like thanks you know and the whole family room just started laughing and that's analytics huh? And I gave him a hug and you know instantly I went from feeling like a dog which you know seemingly I should have to to uh just being a dad and 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 being able to crack a smile how do you learn to balance that with the 162 game season and, and the travel and you know, can be very emotional highs and, and lows. How do you learn to balance that and to prioritize your family when, like you said, there's a lot of money on the line, a lot of pressure on the line, and a job on the line? Well, somebody told me a long time ago, you're never as good as you think you are, and you're never as bad as you think you are. So when you think you're the greatest or whatever, that's usually when things uh, end up humbling you very quickly. Um, you got to always keep working. You got to always feel like there's another way for you to get better, so you never get too cocky. But also, you know, if you, if you just listen to all the naysayers out there, then you're going to have a pretty low uh, self-esteem. And, and our game is a performance-based game. It's a results-based game. And if we put our identity in that, you know, we're going to be great one week, we're going to be, you know, bad one week or whatever, then, you know, as a person, your identity is going like this. So it's much better to stay 
even keel and just remember that you got to go out there and grind and work your hardest every single time out. So with that being said, how do you evaluate the group that you guys have this year, the talent that's in that clubhouse, and what are your expectations? Talent-wise, um, I don't know if I've been a part of a group as talented as our group now. I mean, it's just with... You know, if you look at all the athletic testing going on, guys can stand flat-footed and jump up and touch an 11-foot roof, no problem. I mean, you know, it's it's just crazy the athletes that we have in the room, um, but also a great mix of of uh, young players, young players and old players alike that that get together, get along well, and and really want to root for each other and get better. The Cardinals Kids Club, presented by Rawlings, is the fan club for kids 13 and under. Membership includes exclusive Cardinals items, two tickets to a 2019 Cardinals home game, an invite to a members-only party at Bush Stadium, and much more. Visit cardinals.com slash kidsclub to join. Nate Green joins us next to talk Mardi Gras brunch and everything going on at Cardinals Nation. That's next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Presented by Amron on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron. Chris Raby with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network, and we head north back to St. Louis and welcome in Nate Green from Cardinals Nation Restaurant and, of course, the Museum and Hall of Fame. They're on the second floor right across from Bush Stadium. Nate, how are you, man? What's going on? I'm doing well. We're hanging in. We're getting ready for opening day. Uh, we're getting excited to watch some baseball coming up. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, we are too. And I know that you guys are always busy year-round at Cardinals Nation Restaurant. Uh, we've been there uh, the last couple of weeks. Had General Manager Mike Gershon with us, President of Baseball Operations John Mozeliak. We unveiled the Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot for this year. Never a dull moment at the restaurant. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, we love having you there and, and getting ready for baseball. And we're, we're excited right now. Obviously, the restaurant's open year-round. Uh, we always have something going on. But right now, we really ramp things up and change things around. We're working on new menu items for the 2019 season. We're hoping to wrap up a final tasting of items uh, later this week for the restaurant. Then we'll move on to food truck menu items. We're working on programming for the restaurant, programming for the museum. It's, uh, it, it's really exciting amping up for the, the beginning of baseball. Let's talk about something new you're doing, and that is the Mardi Gras brunch Sunday, March 3rd. Tell us about what's going to be going on at the restaurant in a couple of Sundays for Mardi Gras. We're bringing the New Orleans Mardi Gras vibe to Cardinals Nation. The brunch will be on the second floor of Cardinals Nation. We've got a uh, live brass band that'll be playing that night, that day from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. And the menu is really centered around Mardi Gras. It's centered around New Orleans. Um, a, a lot of Cajun, a lot of seafood. It, it's going to be a really fun day. You can make reservations at cardinalsnation.com. See the menu. Uh, also, your ticket includes admission to the museum uh, and also a cocktail. You can add bottomless cocktails for just a couple of bucks more. So an awesome, awesome event coming up on Sunday, March 3rd. Go to cardinalsnation.com. Hey, speaking of the museum, you're always bringing in new galleries. And something that uh, we spoke about a month ago with Brian Finch about that he was excited about is a new exhibit that's presented by Rawlings. Pain, Protection, and Performance, the Evolution of Baseball Equipment. It blends the old, the history of the equipment with the new technology and the new equipment. It, it's really amazing to see what these players used in, in the late 1800s, the early 1900s, compared to the advances in today's game. Um, and, and we show a little bit of everything. We've, we've tried to 
show when equipment changed, uh, whether it pertained to performance, protection, um, pain of playing the sport. If there was a mile marker of something changes changed, we've we've tried to show that in the exhibit. Um, and everybody should come out and check it out, whether it's a game day or non-game day. The museum is open uh, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and there's stuff there, there, there's stuff for kids to do. There's stuff for adults to do. There's interactives. It's seriously my favorite exhibit that we've put on. Cardinals.com slash museum. We have to talk the official pregame party. Tickets on sale at cardinals.com slash pregame. Easily the best place that you can pregame uh, for any Cardinal games. I know you guys are really proud that you've kept you know ticket prices the same, Nate. Tell folks about... Uh, another year of Cardinals official pregame parties. Like you said, it's the St. Louis Cardinals official pregame party. Um, I like to say that it's the best two and a half hours that money can buy. It's before every single home baseball game, and for two and a half hours leading up to the scheduled first pitch, it's all-inclusive food and drink. And we're not just talking nachos and hot dogs. Now, we have nachos and hot dogs, but we also have entrees, desserts, sides, you know, sometimes a, a carved meat. There's all sorts of items there um, for really anybody to to enjoy. And then on top of that, it's the the bar is included, and we're not just talking a draft bar. We have some great draft items, um, but it's a full bar. It's wine. It's it's really anything that you want. And two and a half hours um, in an exciting atmosphere. Uh, we have our house DJ DJ Joe hosts it every single game he hasn't missed a single one in four years we have prizes we have giveaways we have tickets that we give away during the pregame party it's been a big hit for us it's a lot of fun and like you said this is the third year in a row now that we have not changed the prices so for two and a half hours it's 35 dollars sunday through thursday and 40 dollars a ticket for friday saturday and then a couple of those premium games Cardinals.com slash pregame for the pregame party information. Tickets on sale now. Also, check out information and reservations for Mardi Gras brunch at CardinalsNation.com. And, as always, Cardinals.com slash museum for the Hall of Fame and Museum. Nate Green, the Director of Operations over at Cardinals Nation. We appreciate it, man. We'll see you soon. See you soon. Thanks for having me. Let's give away six ticket vouchers for any single session of the 2019 Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament, March 7th through the 10th. For more information on the games, visit archmadness.com. We'll take caller three right now at 314-531-1120. Let's take a break. We'll come back. When we do, we wrap up this edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. The 2019 Cardinals calendar is available right now, and it spotlights the signature work of the club photographers with a special salute to unbreakable Cardinals records. Get it now for just 10 bucks. available only at 314-345-9000. We'll give one away right now as well to... Caller number three at 314-531-1120. All right, a big thanks to all of our guests tonight on the program. President of Baseball Operations, John Mozilak. Thank you to Adam Wainwright, Dexter Fowler, and John Brebia. Tim Kirkchen of ESPN, Dr. Robert Butler, and Nate Green 
from Cardinals Nation. A big thanks to Ben Boyd, our executive producer, Sam Masterson, doing a great job helping us down here in Florida, and Mike Anderson is back in our Cardinals Network studios. Thanks as well to Ann Carroll from the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. We've got baseball beginning on Saturday, and we'll talk to you next week. For Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby. This has been Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.